0: I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. The second article of the Apostles' Creed. And so far, we have considered the meaning of the name Jesus and the name, meaning of the name Christ. Not only have we considered the meaning of the name Christ, we have also considered what it means to be a Christian, as we saw last week, that Christ and the Christian are intimately connected. Jesus is the Christ, in order that through His ministry, His people might be Christians indeed, Christ-like And now we have two more names to consider, two more aspects of the uh, identity of the unique identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Namely, that he is the only begotten Son of his Father, and secondly, that he is the Lord, the Redeemer of his church. And so let's turn to Lord's Day 13 of our Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 13. And there we read the question 33 Why is Christ called the only begotten Son of God since we are also the children of God? The answer is because Christ alone is the eternal and natural Son of God. But we are children adopted of God by grace for His sake. Question 34 Wherefore callest thou Him our Lord? The answer is Because He hath redeemed us both soul and body from all our sins, not with gold or silver, but with His precious blood, and hath delivered us from all the power of the devil, and thus hath made us His own property. And thus, the unique identity of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God and the Lord and Savior of His church. The question itself, congregation, is an intriguing one because what the catechism here highlights is that Jesus Christ Is the Son of God, and yet God's children also are the sons and daughters of the living God. Why then is Christ called the only begotten Son of God? Then the Catechism, in very simple and yet profound language, highlights the very unique identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's beautiful about this answer is how it establishes the intimate connection between the fact that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that God's children are the adopted sons and daughters of the living God. Because it is remarkable, as we will see, that the eternal Son of God is the one through whom Fallen sons and daughters of Adam can be the sons and daughters, the children of the living God. So, first of all, let's focus on this statement that Christ alone is the eternal and natural Son of God. In the most well known text of the Bible, this mystery is addressed. God so loved the world, God the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have eternal life. In John 1 verse 14 where we read about the mystery that the Word was made flesh, it states in parentheses that we, are be- we behold Him and we behold His glory as the only begotten of the Father And there are several other passages where that language is used. One of the most famous, of course, Psalm 2. Psalm 2, where God is speaking and where He says about His Son, This day have I begotten Thee. So what is meant by the expression that He is the begotten Son of God? Now, I know, boys and girls, this is not an easy subject tonight. I hope that your moms and dads will later be able to explain to you in some ways what I'm trying to say tonight, but let me just try to explain to you, first of all, what do we mean by begotten? Well, the best way to explain it to you is to focus on your relationship with your dad. You know that your relationship with your dad is a very special one, and you realize ...that you are here because of your dad. If it wasn't for your dad, you would not be here. And so you, as a child, have been begotten by your father and by your mother. That means that you, as, as, as a human being, as a child... ...has come into existence because of your father and your mother. And that's what makes that relationship so very special... There's a very special love relationship between your parents, between your father and mother, and between you. A very special connection that you have with them. And because of that special connection, you also in some ways resemble them. It's obvious in some ways or another that you are a child of your parents. Now, it's that word which is a somewhat of an old word, but it's that word that is used here to describe the special relationship between God the Father and between God the Son. Not only are they equal in terms of their Godhead, which we have confessed also by way of our Athanasian Creed, but there is a very special relationship between them. Only of the Son it is true that He is begotten. So what does that mean? Congregation, I have to confess to you that it's beyond my capability to really explain that to you. But one thing it does mean, and one thing God wants us to know, that's clear. That the relationship between Him and His Son is a father-son relationship. And that the Son, as the second person of the Trinity as it were, eternally comes forth out of His Father's heart and out of His Father's bosom. And that the Father, as Christ said Himself, has given to His Son to have life in Himself. And this is an eternal thing. The the, 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 the generation of the Son, this is something that has never begun and will never end. From all eternity, from eternity past to eternity future, the Father will always be begetting His Son. And more I cannot say, except this, that this really defines for us what the Trinity is all about. That means that the Trinity, as other theologians have said, not original with me, that the Trinity is the original family. The Trinity is a father-son relationship. A relationship in which the father and the son as two distinct persons are united in an unspeakable bond of love in the Holy Spirit. That's why we just confessed it again. Of the Holy Spirit, that only of the Spirit it is true that He proceeds. He proceeds from the Father, and He proceeds from the Son. as As I have explained to you before, and I will do it again. So what that means, that the Trinity is this very special love relationship. And you know that in every love relationship here on earth... And our love relationships between husbands and wives, between parents and children, are but a faint reflection of that everlasting love relationship between the Father and between the Son. And so it is the Father who in the Spirit fully communicates Himself to His Son. And it is the Son who in the Spirit fully communicates Himself to the Father. And so in the Spirit, the Father and Son are united together. In the Spirit, the Father fully knows His Son, and the Son fully knows the Father. And it is only in the Son that the Father fully knows Himself. Because in the Son, the Father beholds the perfect image of Himself... That's why the Apostle writes in Hebrews 1 that the Son who has come in the fullness of time by whom the Father has spoken, the Son is the brightness of His glory and is the express image of His very person. That's why the Gospel of John begins by addressing that blessed and mysterious relationship. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was face to face with God. And that immediately tells us something about the very unique identity of the Son. Because why is it? And again, I I tremble when I speak of this. Why is it that God eternally begets his son with an eternal begetting? Why is it that eternally the son, as it, for, as it were, comes forth from his father's bosom? Because God has eternally purposed that he would reveal himself in his son. The son is the person of revelation, that's why he is called the Word. And because God has eternally purposed that He would create a creature, man, in the image of His Son. And so God's purpose, God's eternal purpose, everything that God has ever purposed and everything that He has ever done and will do, it all revolves around His Son. Because it is the Son who is the ultimate object of His Father's love. Oh, the Father, as He beholds Himself in His Son, is filled with infinite and unspeakable love for His Son. That's why the Catechism says that He is the He alone. Is the eternal and natural Son of God. And let me just let scripture speak for itself. Christ Himself speaks about this mystery. In 1 John 1, verse 18, a well known verse, a very important verse, it says, No man has ever seen God but The only begotten Son, there you have it, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him unto us. So that tells us something about that unique love relationship. So boys and girls, in very simple terms, you know what this tells us? That the Son lives in His Father's heart. He is in His bosom. And because he is in the Father's bosom, that's why he can reveal God's heart to us. He literally knows the heart of God from the inside out. And it is in him that we know who the Father is. In other words, apart from the Son, the Father is not knowable. And that's why God has eternally purposed to beget His Son so that in His Son He would be able to reveal Himself to a special creature that He would create in the fullness of time. To bear the image of His Son, to reflect the glory of His Son, and that in His Son He would be able to have a very special love relationship with that special creature man created in the image of his Son. And so the Son is the eternal, the infinite object of his Father's love. Open your Bibles for a moment. Turn with me to Matthew 11. One of those passages where Christ talks about this very special relationship. Matthew eleven. Verse twenty seven. This is that moment where Christ lifts his eyes heavenward in verse twenty five. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. So here we have a a glimpse in that special communion, that loving communion between Father and Son, as we see here. And then notice what he says about their relationship. He says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father... And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So, Jesus is saying that as Father and Son, they know each other with a knowledge that we cannot even comprehend. They know each other fully. They know each other exhaustively. But then the important thing that Jesus adds, that he has gone, he, the entire purpose, the entire purpose of his eternal generation, is that through him we might know His Father, because he is the revelation of his Father. And so that's why it is the Son. As we will see in a moment, it is the Son through whom God is pleased to bring fallen sons and daughters of Adam back into a love relationship with Himself. Because all that the Father does in relationship to the children of men is always through the person of His only begotten Son. And so when it says that no one has ever seen God, no one has ever seen Him, that only when the Son reveals Him to us do we know Him. We know that that was Adam's privilege. God interacted, God the Father interacted with His created son Adam in the very person of His Son. And now we make the connection, you see. Because now we go from this, this mystery, this profound mystery, to the next sentence. But we are children adopted of God by grace for His sake. Then I think of the beautiful words of Second Corinthians 4 verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And again, congregation, and boys and girls, I know this is a difficult subject. But as long as you understand that God wants us to know Him, and He wants us to know Him through His Son. In His Son, He reveals Himself to us. In His Son, He draws near to us. In His Son, He opens His heart to us. In His Son, the eternal, infinitely glorious Father becomes visible and becomes knowable. In his Son, God is pleased to enter into a relationship with human beings. That was true before Adam and Eve fell, because Adam and Eve were the created son and daughter of God. God created Adam and Eve in the image of his only begotten Son. That's why God so delighted himself in the work of His hands, especially in Adam and Eve, who were the masterpiece of His creation. Because in Adam and Eve, He saw the reflection of the glory of His only begotten Son. But now the wonder, the wonder of redemption. Because when the catechism talks about us, we, who are we? We are fallen Sons and daughters of Adam. We, we are by nature the children of wrath. We are by nature fallen rebels. We are by nature living a life divorced from our Creator. But now the wonder, you see, That God has purposed not only to create man in His image, but He has eternally purposed to bring fallen sinners, fallen sons and daughters of Addis to bring us back to Himself. And how does He do that? And how has He done that? He does that through His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we, children of wrath by nature utterly unworthy of such a favor. God has seen fit to bring us to Himself, to bring us into His family, to adopt us into His family. So the Bible uses that analogy of adoption repeatedly, especially in the New Testament. And you know today when a child is adopted, when the price has been paid, and the papers have been signed, that child becomes the legal child of that father and mother. But in the culture in which the New Testament was written, this was even stronger. From that moment on forward, a father who had adopted a child would never ever refer to that child as his adopted child. From that day forward, He would treat that child as His own. And that's what's behind this very precious Word. And see, that's God's eternal purpose. That's why God has not purposed the salvation of angels. Why not? Why can angels not be redeemed? Why can angels not be part of God's family? Because angels were never created in the image of God's Son. But we were. In Adam, we were created in the image of God's Son. And precisely because the Father loves His Son, and in all things aims for the glory of His Son, for that reason, you see, God has purposed that fallen sons and daughters of Adam who have lost that image through Christ, through His only begotten Son, could be brought back into the family of God. And so God's children are God's adopted children. What a privilege that is. Congregation, there is no greater privilege on earth than to be a child of of the living God. To be a child of God. To be an adopted son and daughter of God. And the catechism makes it very clear. That this is a miracle indeed. It says by grace. For his sake. That means if we by the grace of God are a child of God. That means this is an utterly unmerited favor. There's absolutely no reason in you or me why we should be adopted into the very family, into the very household of God. And what a price had to be paid, congregation, to secure that adoption. The only way that that could take place The only way whereby an infinitely holy and glorious God could ever bring human beings back into His family is by sending His Son into the world to pay the price for that adoption. You know that today, parents want to adopt a child, they have to go to great lengths They often have to go to foreign lands. They often have to pay a large price to secure the adoption of that child. But God knew that the only way He could adopt sinners like us into His family, the only way He could bring us back to Himself, the only way He could restore us into a love relationship, as if He would give His only begotten Son, if He would give the Son of His love to be a sacrifice for our sins. When we see the word grace here, now next to that word grace, we have to put the cross of Calvary. The word grace is inseparably connected to the cross. Apart from the cross... God would never be able to be gracious to us. What is grace again? Grace, G-R-A-C-E. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace means that God bestows His favor upon us fallen sinners for the sake of what His Son has accomplished. Grace means... That God gives us the exact opposite of what we deserve. What we deserve is God's wrath. What we deserve is hellfire. What we deserve is to forever be abandoned. And so by the grace of God you are a believer today. If you are a child of the living God today. There's only one explanation. And that's grace. Grace. Grace and grace alone. Sovereign, distinguishing grace. Because none of us by nature desire the restoration of that relationship. None of us by nature desire to be adopted into the family of God. By nature we live in enmity towards God. By nature we have no desire in the knowledge of His ways. But the wonder of God's salvation is that God has purpose to redeem enemies, to redeem rebels. And He sent His Son into the world to accomplish His sovereign purpose. So that His eternal desire, His eternal purpose to have a people that would be His could be accomplished. And to that end He sent His Son... For His sake. Because grace is free, congregation. The grace that has saved you, the grace that has redeemed you, is free. But grace is not cheap. Grace was paid for with the price of the precious blood of Christ. And so the reason God has dealt with you, the reason He has conquered your heart by His love, the reason He has made you willing in the day of His power, the reason He has revealed His Son to you and has drawn you to His Son, is because God has been gracious to you. And the, re- and the reason He has been able to bestow upon you the very opposite of what you deserve is because on the cross of Calvary, He bestowed upon His Son the opposite of what He deserved. He knew no sin. He was holy, harmless, undefiled. And yet, He came into this world to be your substitute, to be your mediator, to take your place, to endure God's wrath in your place. So that on the basis of that sacrifice, on the basis of the price that He paid on the cross, that God would be able to adopt you into His Family. No wonder that John writes in 1 John 3, verse 1 Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Congregation, do you understand that? Do you understand something of that holy amazement? Is God's grace amazing to you? Because congregation, if God's grace is not amazing to you, you have probably never experienced God's amazing grace. But if you have any knowledge of yourself, any knowledge of who you are in and of yourself, how can you not but marvel at the amazing grace of God? What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, John writes, that we, of all people, that we, that we should be called the sons of God. That's so all we can say, that the eternal Son of God, listen carefully, that the eternal Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, has become the Son of Man in the fullness of time. Why? So that we, the sons of man, could become the sons and daughters of the living God. And so God's purpose, God's eternal purpose, dear believer, was your adoption into His family. And that's why Let me reassure you that God does not want His children to live in doubt about that adoption. God wants His children to know what He has bestowed upon them in Christ. And after all, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption who witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. So God wants his children to know how secure that adoption is. He wants his children to rejoice in the fact that Christ has accomplished everything for that adoption. That that adoption cannot ever possibly be canceled. Because that adoption is secure in the only and eternally begotten Son of God. So we could put it this way. Dear people of God, we have been chosen in the Son to be adopted in the Son. Chosen in the Son to be adopted in this son listen to Ephesians 1 verse 5 having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will and how do these adopted children behave themselves what is the mark of an adopted child of god An adopted child of God absolutely loves the eternally begotten Son of God. That's the evidence of that adoption. That's the evidence of God's saving work in the hearts of His children. Everything in God's purposes, congregation, let me say it again, everything revolves around His Son. And so when God redeems His people, when He quickens us by His Spirit, when He grafts us into Christ, the very nature of that spiritual life will be that it's always attracted to that Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the mark of a child of God. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5 also beautifully expresses this. Read with me. Turn with me to Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Let's read that passage. Beautiful passage in light of of this, what we are dealing with here. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. There you have it. Made of a woman. Made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, congregation, what a privilege. What a privilege to belong to the family of God. That's why Christ is called our elder brother. He is a very unique brother. That's very clear from the language of the catechism as well. But he is our elder brother nevertheless. We belong to the family and to the household of God. What an unspeakable comfort that is to know that. Congregation, I, I can assure you, our understanding, our grasp of this is so primitive. We understand so poorly what it means To be a child of God. We understand so poorly what it means to be adopted into his household. We understand so poorly what it means. That the Father delights himself in us, his people. For the sake of his only begotten son. Because that's the amazing truth that the Bible tells us. That the father of his only begotten son loves His adopted children with the love with which He loves His only begotten Son. Listen to John 17, 23, the high priestly prayer. It says that the world may know that Thou hast sent Me, and then these beautiful words, and has loved them as Thou hast loved Me. Do you hear that? Has loved them. As thou hast loved me. That by the grace of God, you may be a child of me. If you belong to those who love God's Son, for whom God's Son has become precious and altogether lovely, as the undeniable mark of your adoption, to think that He loves you. He loves you with the same love with which He loves His Son. We cannot even begin to wrap our minds around that, what that means. That love that the Father has for His only begotten Son is eternal, it is infinite, it is incomprehensible. But dear child of God, you are included in that love. The Father loves you with the same love with which He loves His Son. That's why what the Father loves to hear from you It's Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Romans 8, verse 15. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, that sounds like music in God's ears. Reverently speaking, He waits for that. He longs for that. He longs for that you will so understand the gospel, that you will so understand what He has accomplished for you in Christ, that you will respond to His love and say, Abba, Father. Let no one ever tell you that that is a privilege only reserved for a very, very few. There's nothing more basic to an earthly family and that children freely call their father, Daddy, Father. That's what earthly fathers long for. They wait for that little one to grow up and to, to recognize him and to begin to call him by that precious name that confirms that special relationship. That's what God longs for. That's why I said he does not want his children to live in doubt of their salvation. The goal of the ministry our sacred task as ministers of the gospel is to so proclaim God's word so explain the gospel to you that you as a believer that you grasp all that God has accomplished in his son for you that you grasp what it means to be an adopted child of God to be eternally connected that's it to be eternally connected to the eternal, only begotten Son of God. That's what it means to be a believer. To be united. To be united to God's Son with an unbreakable and with an everlasting bond. So that the Apostle can say boldly, nothing, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, dear believer. You are a child. You are an adopted child of God by grace for His sake. And now we wait for that day when we will fully enjoy what that means. That blessed future that awaits the adopted children of God. And the same John who in utter amazement said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, of all people, should be called the sons of God. He says, We do not yet know what we shall be. But one thing I can tell you, when He comes, when He comes, we will see Him as He is. And when He comes, we will finally be like Him. Because... You have been chosen in Him to be adopted through Him in order to be forever like Him and to forever dwell in His presence. We're going to wrap this up for tonight. Congregation, do you belong to the family of God? Do you have the biblical evidences that you are a member of the household of God? Is there evidence in your life that you have also been adopted into God's family by grace for His sake? And let me say it again. That the undeniable evidence of that adoption is that The eternal Son of God is the object of our love. That Christ is the altogether lovely one to the adopted members of God's household. That Christ is precious to them. All the members of God's household have this in common. That they say, oh, give me this Jesus or else I die. And so is this Christ, this eternal Son of God, is He precious to you? Is He the object of your love? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? And if not, oh, then I may proclaim to you tonight that God is not yet finished bringing sinners into His household. He's still in the business of saving sinners. And that adoption is offered to sinners free of price, without money and without price, because it's been fully paid for. Oh, it is there for the God of salvation, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the gospel invites us to come to Him, and who promises us, if we come to Him and believe in His only begotten Son, He says, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. And Woe unto us if we live and die outside of that heavenly family. And so may we have no peace in our own soul until we may know on biblical grounds that we belong to the family of God, that we belong to the household of God, that we belong with body and soul to God's only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. O oh, great and eternal God, We know so little about thee. We are so ignorant of thee. Thou art indeed the eternal, incomprehensible one, and yet thou art the God who in thy Son has revealed thyself to us, in thy Son draws near to us, and through thy Son art pleased to bring fallen sinners into an everlasting love relationship with Thyself. Oh, the wonder of Thy adopting grace that Thou hast purposed to adopt rebels, fallen sons of daughters and daughters of Adam, to adopt us into Thy family, to make us partakers of Thy love the love with which Thou dost love Thy Son. Lord, we pray that those in our midst who by grace cannot deny that Thy Son has become precious to them, that their heart yearns for Him and to know more of Him, oh, that they would rejoice in this glorious truth that they too belong to the household of God, adopted sons and daughters of God, all through Thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, who declared on the day of the resurrection to Mary Magdalene, tell my brethren that I ascend unto my Father and your Father, my God and your God, and that so thy children also in our midst may live in the enjoyment of that extraordinary privilege And that by grace we would respond to Thy amazing grace, revealed in Christ, Abba Father. Go with us now in this coming week. Grant us what is needed in our daily calling. Bless our children in school. Keep us safely on unsafe roads. And gather with us again this next Lord's Day. And we pray, Lord, for the brothers who will be proclaiming thy word in my absence. Bless their ministry in the midst of our congregation. Forgive us our sins, both in speaking and hearing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.